God is good? All the time? I am so thrilled, excited today. Uh, it's, it's, it has been 19 weeks since we were in lockdown. We had on, online worship going on. This is 19th week. Next week will be 20th week. We've been about more than four months. We were worshiping different from what we used to. And some of you uh, who, are, who are worshiping with us online, I, I, don't, I, I don't know whether you know, but a lot of people praised him and the other leaders came early today and set up everything to see how in-person service will work next week. Everything went well. A lot of people worked hard, cleaned, cleaned everything, put the lines and everything. So it has been so good for my soul, my heart, to be able to come together to worship in person. Um, before I begin my message today, a couple of thoughts I had, and I just want to share before I begin. We, as, as you know, we've been announcing this. We are planning to have in-person service next Sunday, August 2nd. And I know there's a lot of, still a lot of anxieties and fears. I want you to know that only when you, are, when you feel safe, we are, you can join us. But we are saying, what we are saying is that worship is important to us. Worship is central to who we are. And we are, we are longing to come together as people of God, to worship God together. But we will do all the things necessary. We will do our best to keep everyone safe, yet if we can worship together. And we want to ask uh, um, the elderly, older people with different issues, if we ask you to stay home a little longer, and, 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 and those who are comfortable and long, raring to come and worship together, please join us. Register and join us. It'll be an amazing time. Just a couple of things before I go on. I realize online service has been good. I probably worship, I joined more worship services than ever before on online. I went to many different worship services each week. But the thing is, as good as it is, there's something missing, something not fulfilling. We were made to be together. And the corporate worship, there is special presence of God, mercy and grace of God. And I, I, we do believe and know this, that we are called to be community. When you come and worship together as a, as a group, a body of Christ, we practice community worship. We come to God's presence. I know this is not everything, but this is why we are raring to come back. I don't think we are, some, I know some are thinking, that why are you so rushing hard to get in? And we are taking our precautions for me. For me, I really believe coming before God with my brothers and sisters as a church was so essential and vital to us. Not only it is right thing before God, but also health of the body of Christ and health of my spiritual life and others. It is so necessary, important for us. You know, one of the things I realize is this happens, you know, in, in every Sunday about 1130, I'm ready to go. We are dressed up at home and sitting down. My wife and my uh, Abby and my mother-in-law sitting on the sofa right in front of the TV. I'm sitting in the back in a, a kitchen table with my laptop on because I check. Only TV, 
YouTube and Facebook, everything on. I have everything running at the same time, looking at things. But thinking, in the midst of all that, you know what? I'll go and get a coffee and sit down. And, 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 and I realize, even though, even though I, am, I am so committed to the worship, I find myself distracted. Sometimes when, when some, somebody cacao me, I ended up, end up re, in a, responding to it. I realize more and more, without me really intentionally being in that way, worship has become optional. I'm easily distracted. I've forgotten the heart of worship when I prepare and get ready to come before God to worship. You know, and, and there is something I realize missing in my heart. And, and this is why we are longing to come to worship together. But we want to be saved. We want to follow all the guidelines and all the things that our government and, uh, and medical professionals are advising us. We'll find all those things. Uh, today, uh, in light of worshiping together as in person, and I was really praying about uh, and the message and really thinking about speaking on the message on worship. There are many places in the scripture you can look at that speaks of worship in a powerful ways. Like the uh, um, uh, story of Abraham obeying God to the mountain that God told him with his only son to sacrifice, ready to sacrifice with a knife on. And that is a powerful place of worship. There are many things we can learn about worship there. there also, as well as when tabernacle was built and where God's presence comes. There are many other places, but the place probably more and dear to me than anywhere else is John chapter 12, when a woman who comes with a vial of precious perfume. If you've been Hope Church long enough, you know I love this passage. If you ever traveled anywhere for ministry, I will always speak on this passage. It has been in my heart. I will tell you a secret as well. When I went to the seminary in Golden Conroe, and, and at Princeton, both in my preaching classes, I use this text as one of my sermon texts to, and, and preach. So and this is what it is. We're going to look at today's title, A Fragrant Aroma. A Fragrant Aroma. Today's passage, I want to look at John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. It is also found in Mark chapter 14, as well as Matthew chapter 26. But I want to focus mainly on John 12, one to faith. Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we love you because you first loved us. We come today, God, we say you are worthy of all honor and glory. Worthy are you, O oh God. Not only are you the creator of heavens and the earth, but yet with your own life, you purchase us with your love and grace. We come today to worship you, God. We come today humbly before you that we will meet with you. You will speak to us, God, here. More than a good teaching or message or truth that we want to encounter the living God that you are. That you will journey, that you will meet with us, God. Holy Spirit, we ask you will come invade this place and speak to hearts and minds. Reveal your heart. Reveal your, show your face to us, O oh God. We love you. We honor you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So it was six days before the Passover. This was very important. Let me begin. Let me read the passage. 
And I'm going to weave a couple of uh, different uh, Gospels, John, and as well as Mark. I'm going I'm to uh, uh, weave those two together to tell a full story about this woman named Mary who uh, poured the oil upon Jesus and anointed him a few days before the Jesus going to the cross. Let me begin with John chapter 12, verse 1. Let me read this passage. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. In Mark's version, it says, it says this way, while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the, the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. And, and the reason I looked at those two verses is to set the background. The time of this story was about a week, maybe six, five, six days before actually Jesus actually go to cross to die. And you have to understand, I often we forget, the atmosphere was whole Jerusalem is uproar. Leaders were planning and plotting to kill Jesus. There were anger, and they were angry, they were furious, and they, were, uh, they hated Jesus for what he stood for because just his, his presence, his teaching, and all those threatened who they were. So they were pl plotting to kill Jesus. But six days before that cr the time for the cross, Jesus knew the time came. This is a very, very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, difficult time in that sense. And it was at the time this thing happened. And Jesus was at, it says right here, Jesus knew Jerusalem is at Bethany, which is a little town right next to uh, Jerusalem. Bethany. I know some churches love to name themselves Bethany. Bethany was a town where Jesus, whenever Jesus go to Jerusalem, he would stay at a house, a home in a house in Bethany. Home of a brother and two sisters. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary were close to Jesus. Whenever Jesus goes to the city, he'll stay there. And, and this is the Lazarus who actually died. Jesus raised from the dead. And the whole town was an uproar because of the miracle Jesus did. Not only that, this actually made the Jew Jewish leaders more upset because that miracle in, and was real because people were really, really stirred by the miracle and they were now praising Jesus more. That miracle really made the leaders threatened. So this is uh, six days before the uh, uh, Passover. So let me read verse 2. So they made... They made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. Martha is always serving. That family, and that family, that two sisters, Martha and Mary, Martha is always serving. And then look at this. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now you have to understand, they were not at the house of Lazarus, the Mary and Martha. They were actually at a house of uh, Simon the leper, this meaning that the guy probably was a leper whom Jesus healed. Because you're not going to, you are not going to go to the leper's house and have a dinner. The person was healed and Jesus actually, that person, our, our honor of what Jesus has done, they were having a dinner for Jesus. And because the Lazarus and the Martha Mary was in the town, they were invited as a special guest. And Lazarus was sitting with 
uh, Jesus and others in a really intimate way, reclining. Martha is always serving. And even if somebody else is out, she's serving. She's always serving. Are you one of those who are always serving? Find your uh, identity in serving. Not bad, it's good. But I want you to know you need to find time to enjoy his presence as well. Now, let me talk to those of you who are here, actually, who spend whole morning preparing. And I, I wanna, I'm so thankful you, how you came early, made all the preparations. I know not all of you are comfortable coming either, but you came because you believe in serving God. And you believe this is right. You did well. Thank you. I want to honor you for your love unto the Lord. But as I, as, as I, I want to say, in midst of all the serving, don't forget what this is about. It was about him. Loving Christ. It was all for him. Your service was worship unto him. If you forget that, it becomes a burden. See, now, I, I just, um, I, I, I put a little uh, tag for myself calling it sweet fragrance. Now, let me, let me go into the story. In that uh, next verse, it says, while they're having the dinners going on, Mary then took upon the very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now here, Apostle John, as he uh, tells the story, puts some, some, some article, uh, um, words and descriptions that other gospel doesn't mention. For example, in Mark, it says in this way, while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of a very costly perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. In Mark, it says she, she brought the vial and she broke it. You know, you, you know, this is a pound of, in a, a pound of, you know, perfume. And probably had a long neck. So that only little come at a time. Because she couldn't wait any longer and the, the weight for the little drops come, she literally broke the thing. She poured it on Jesus' head. That's what, that's what they did. When a guest comes in, they put some oil on their head to honor them. And then you wash their feet. And so actually she poured the whole thing. It came down to the head, down to the feet. And she used her hair to wipe up some of the oil, the anointing oil that was on, us, on his feet. Yet in the midst of all that, he, the John mentions the word here. The fragrance of the perfume filled the house. Other, other Gospels tell the story. This, this John is the only one who mentions it. And that word, fragrance, is really important. Of course, if you broke the whole bottle of perfume, this house will smell, yes. But a gospel, a gospel is really saying something very important. Now, I want you to hold on to that. I'm going to come back to it a little bit. Now, let me go on and to explain a little bit about what she has done. It says, a pound not just a little bit, a pound, like, you know, maybe 12 to 16 ounce of that, the, that perfume. It was a, not just a perfume, it was a costly perfume, not the cheap ones that you buy for 2 $3. Really expensive. And then it goes on to say, it's a pure nod. 
I did some studies on this because I was preaching at school and for my classes. Now this pure knowledge, you know, actually the, the, the ingredients come from Himalayas and very exotic places where this is costly. And this is very costly thing. Often people use it just use as a way of saving money. Because perfume, you can actually, because it's expensive, you can actually hold it and you can sell it. It's a sort of way of saving kind of thing. A woman will have it like this, like a dowry for them when they get married. That's something they can take on. Not only that, she pound the costly perfume, pure not, she broke the vial, bottle. Not just a little dab. You know, I, 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 I hate, and you know, I don't like perfume whatsoever. You know, and, but I like it on my wife. It smells good. And she puts a little bit of it and do it. And I don't know what they do. You know, what is that? Why don't you spray it on yours? You know, then a little dab here, like, you know. But she broke the whole thing. I broke the whole thing. And there is that recklessness. And actually, the next verse says it was about worth a year's wage. I don't know how much you make a year. If you're maybe a brand new school teacher, maybe 45. If you're seasoned, you may make six figures. Think about it. If you know, all years away, you may, you may, this might be as expensive as $100,000. And you're going to take the whole body and put it, put it on Jesus? That's what's going on here. And the thing is, you later find that Jesus commands her for what she has done. And I want, you to, I want you to look at this a little bit. I looked at the Bible and looked for everywhere word aroma the fragrance used. It's about 48 times in the Bible. First time it was ever mentioned in Genesis chapter 8, 21 is when, you know, after Noah's flood, after Noah's flood, he comes out, he sacrificed before God, and then he says, verse 21, after the sacrifice offering that he has done, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma of the offering. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on Run on account of man. And goes on, God says, God smelled the, the upburn offering. You know, some of you who love meat, you know how good steak roasting on the fire smells good. I don't think God is talking about that kind of smell. That heart, that behind that offering, what it meant, it was a soothing, beautiful fragrance to God. And the last time this, that, that sort of phrase is used in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, when Apostle talks about how Philippian church was supporting him and how they sent the gift to him many, many times when nobody else helped. helped. And that's what he says, but I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. I'm talking about the gift. And that, she said that gift is a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He's saying, your offering to help me was for God, was a sacrifice to God. It was a well-pleasing, it was pregnant aroma, acceptable worship to God. He was saying, the whole point when John mentions how the whole house filled with fragrance is saying this was worship to God. It was worship to God. This house filled with the fragrance. The worship to God. I want you to hear it very carefully. 
when God's people come and worship genuinely with our heart, it is a beautiful thing before God. It is a fragrant aroma of God to God. God delights in it. God sees our heart. And now, I put what a waste. That's what many people thought. In John's account, it says, but Judas Iscariot, of course it will be Judas. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? One denarii is one day's wage. 300 denarii, about a year's wage. And given to the poor people. He says, why wasn't this sold and, 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 so, and gave it money given to the poor? And he was uh, criticizing her. So he's saying, this is a waste. Look at what it says in Mark's gospel. But some, not only Judas is carried, but some were indignantly remarking to one another. Why is this perfume being wasted? They were saying, why is this wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. Look at what it says in, in Matthew's account. The disciples, not only some people, not only Judas, it's got other disciples who were scolding her as well. My, my guess is it was Judas's carrier who started that and got everybody else into the thing. That's just, what a waste. Why so much? Why whole bottle? Why couldn't we just use a little bit? Why the whole, why the whole thing? Why couldn't we just use something cheaper? Let me stop right here. You know, worship cause. Worship is not when we, often when we genuinely worship God, often people do not understand. They may not understand fully. You see, when Abraham, when Abraham obeyed God and took his son to the mountain to lay, be lay before God to give him as a gift to God as a burnt offering. He didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell Sarah. If he, if he told Sarah, she would say, you crazy old man, what are you thinking? She would have put him in a, in a, in a in the closet or something and he would never let him do it. Many might not understand worshiping genuinely before God. Why do you spend so much money on that? Why couldn't you just do just a little bit? And I, since, and I work with youth long enough to see a lot of time parents say they want kid, their youth kid, their kid, uh, teenage kids to go to church. Just enough, not too much. If you do too much, then you might not be studying well. Just a little bit, not too committed. Often that's what people say. When you genuinely worship God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, people may say, that's radical, too much. You know, if I had my way, I would have had a public service worship all the time through the whole pandemic. I would have done it. You know, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I, you know, this is in my, in my notes, so I may be saying something very stupid, okay? Please hear it with a grain of salt. Think about it. Places like Iran or China where a lot of persecution happens. You'll be, you'll be caught and even executed and put in jail for worshiping God. If, you are, if you're waiting for the safe time, safe place to worship God, 
They will never worship. But there they will they risk their lives to worship God together in hiding, in, in dark. Why? Because worship is important. Loving God is important. I'm not saying we are not loving God here. What I'm saying is, often, some, so often people may not fully understand. I'm not saying we should be foolish. Even in those places, they are not saying, we're just going to worship in, open, in, in public. No, they, are, they do all the cautions, but they are saying, they, they are saying worshiping our God and, and loving our God is essential to who we are. And they said, why waste? Why waste, right? And, 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 and John goes on to say about Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot saying, now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but he because he was a thief. And he had the money box. He used to steal, pilfer what was put in it. So not only that, Judas Iscariot, not only was he, was he upset about that, the reason is because he was a thief. He was stealing from it all the time. So John is the, he's the one. He's pointing. And the thing is, you see, you have to understand why Apostle John is doing this. You see a man who is supposed to be disciple of Christ. Important enough to be carrying, important response to taking the funds. Yet this woman who is just a woman, not a disciple. You know, a woman couldn't sit at the feet of the rabbis to listen. Jesus allowed her to do that. But this woman, and he's contrasting this disciple and contrasting this woman who is nobody, who is, you know, he is one of the 12 close to Jesus. Yet she is doesn't understand he is stealing, but this is the one woman who is willing to give up everything, precious thing, the best and, and the, uh, the best and the most precious to Jesus. Is, he is contrasting these two. He'll go and betray Jesus. She reflects the beauty and the love of our God, love of our Lord Jesus. Now I want you to see what Jesus says about her. Literally, Jesus says, she has done it for me. Let me, because, let me see what Jesus, in John, Jesus says in this way, therefore he said, let her alone, let her be, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus said, let her alone. What she has done, let it keep, keep it for my burial. And, and the thing is, Jesus says, yes, poor, you'll always have all the time. You, can, you have many, many opportunities to help. You should do those things. But you're not going to have me all the time. The, the, moment, the opportunity of you be worshiping me will not be as many as you may think. But in other Gospels, in Mark, he labors a little bit more by saying, let her alone, why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me, she said, she just said, she has done a good thing to me. She has done it for me. Good thing for me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But you do not always have me. Jesus knew, you know, he knows in few days they are going to he'll be betrayed, he'll he'll go to the cross, he'll die. You're not gonna have, have me always. She had done what she could, she did what she could. If she had more, she would have given, done more. If she had something else, she would have done that. She had done what she could. She has, she has 
anointed my body beforehand for the burial. I think that matches, uh, the matches are kind of actually clarifies that a little more. But what she poured this, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. This is very important. Look, look at me a little bit. Uh, this is so important because time after time, Jesus told the disciples, I'll be betrayed. I'll, they're they're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to come back to life. And the disciples heard it so many times, and they also heard how the leader tried to kill Jesus, but nobody believed it. What Jesus said, nobody understood that. Disciples didn't understand until the last moment. But somehow this woman, Mary, understood and believed that Jesus actually will die. She had a revelation about who Christ is more than all the disciples. Somehow this is interesting. Every time you'll find in the gospel, Jesus said, rebuking them, don't you understand? You men are little faith. But here's a woman who understands. And she actually, many, many commentators believe, she actually saved that, the anointing oil for that purpose. I used to think that she was saving that for her marriage. It might be that she actually she was preparing that for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus may be killed, will die. I want to be ready for that. She prepared the thing for that moment. So because she was mindful of what Jesus said, she believed what she said, she was preparing. And because all the talks about leaders wanting to kill Jesus and, and also Jesus saying that I'm going to be killed, so she came that day. Came in. Revelation. Now, how did she get that? Listen carefully. Every time you find Mary, she is at the feet of Jesus. Every time. Three times Bible mentions. First time when you find Mary is at the feet of Jesus listening. When Martha is teaching, we're serving, right? And when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, she's at his feet crying at the feet of Jesus. You find her at the feet of Jesus. She was the one who loved to be near Jesus, who would listen to him. He or she would devote herself to learn and here be near Christ. You see, love has the ear that you can hear, you can understand more than the words. When, you, when you're in love with somebody, you actually not only know the, what they say, but you, their hearts and motivations. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid, I don't do that. My, my wife knows even before I say anything. It's so amazing how your wife, you know, knows everything before you say it. She already have it ready before you say it. I bet you all the husbands are doing this, right? We, men, we don't know anything. But wives know everything. There's something about love that hears and understands you see, when all the disciples, other people saw was how she had this 300, uh, 300 denarii worth of perfume poured out. That's all they saw. They thought it was a waste. But what Jesus saw in her was more than that. She, he saw so much more than in her, that in her. He saw her in her, how she loved Jesus. She saw how grateful she was. She saw, he saw how she was pouring all this for his sake. And she under, she saw something in her others didn't. You see, why wouldn't you, if you're married, why wouldn't you love Jesus? Why wouldn't you be thankful? Your brother literally, literally died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. 
Why wouldn't you love Jesus? Why wouldn't you be thankful? Now, now when Jesus, when he would love to come to his, their home and stay, she, she saw everything he taught, and she saw all the miracles he, he did, and she, under, she understood who Jesus was. She was grateful. She loved Jesus, the Lord. She understood who he was. She believed who he said he was. You see, what she did declared, you are worthy. You are worthy of all honor and glory. See, the disciples didn't see that. She's saying, you are worthy, Lord Jesus. This $100,000 worth of perfume is nothing. You are more worthy than that. Worship says, God, you are worthy. Worship says, you, are, you deserve all these things. You see, worship says, God, you are worthy. That's what, that's what Abraham was saying. God, you are worthy of my son being offered as a sacrifice to you. You are worthy. You're worthy of all these things. There's so much more because what you've done for me, who you are, you are worthy. That's what worship says, declares. Just almost a couple more things, almost done. She has done a good deed to me, Jesus says. She has done what she could. She did it to prepare for my burial. And then, and then Jesus goes on to say, he began to not only recognize what she has done, but Jesus praises her. And in Mark's account, it says, Truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Jesus says, What she has done was so special, so beautiful. Wherever gospel is preached, the what she has done will be remembered and spoken of her. Just how beautifully God Jesus saw this as. Worship. God remembers our worship. You know, when things are difficult, when things are very difficult for you, when you have no hope, when you come and worship God, when you thank God in that place, he remembers that. He remembers our tears. God, I don't understand, but I still trust in you. In tears when you worship God, when you pray to God, God remembers that. God keeps it in the bottle, Bible Psalm, Psalm says. God sees our worship. There are seasons when offering is tough because my finances are tight. When I choose to honor God with offering, say, God, you deserve it. God remembers. God remembers. When, when the things are very difficult, I don't, I don't really have time, but I choose to find time to serve God, God remembers. In my workplaces, when, when, when people are all out of whack, you stand to say, honor Jesus by being his witness. He remembers all those things. See, and, and God honors, is honored when we worship him. Worship declares that you are worthy, God. You are beautifully deserve all these things. See, he is worthy, isn't it? He is worthy. I don't know about you. You know, I, I wanted to mention that this is my 40 year, 40th year as a Christian. April 19th, I still remember, 19th at 11 p.m. in Pittsburgh. I, God spoke his love to me. And there, riding in pizza, my heart was overwhelmed because he told me he loved me. It's been 40 years. He has been faithful every single way. 
He has given me all the things I need and so much more. And he, not only did he die on the cross, but he has been with me. Why wouldn't I be thankful? Why wouldn't I, what would hold me back from worshiping him? He is worthy. He is glorious. He is awesome. Worship is not an option. It is my life, my joy and delight. You see, in love, you never say, I sacrifice. Remember what, how I sacrifice for you? In love, there's no, in, if you're in love, you don't use the word sacrifice. Because when I'm in love with you, that what I do is not sacrifice. I do it because it's delight. I want to do it. If you think, if you, if you tell your husband, uh, if you tell your wife, you remember how I sacrificed for you? His attitude is already wrong. If you think I sacrificed, suffered for you, which I shouldn't, meaning I shouldn't have done that, saying, I'm saying you didn't deserve it. So when I'm in love, I never use the word sacrifice. Other people may say it, I don't do it because when I'm in love, I do it because I love to do it. I delight to do it. It was never a sacrifice. Does it make sense? If somebody said, you know what, remember how much I sacrificed for you? You need to look at the person and you don't love me enough, do you? You don't, you don't see the value in me. You see, she saw how wonderful the value of Christ. It was never a question, never a doubt that he deserved it. And this is why she did all this. Others didn't see that. Didn't see the worth and beauty of what Christ was. That's why they didn't understand what she has done. He is worthy. Let the priest him come. God is good. We are called to be worshipers. You see, worship declares, worship declares, let, let, me, let me look at, give me one second. I wrote something that I thought I was so smart on this, writing this down. So I wanted to say, well, I want to quote this, okay. True worship declares that Jesus is worthy. He deserves all things and so much more. Worship declares what kind of God I serve. Worship shows what kind of God I believe in. See, what kind of, worship, kind of worship you give shows what kind of God you believe in. If you believe your God is tiny, just doesn't deserve much, you'll worship it like that. When you worship God, God, you deserve all, all things that worship declares, God, you are worthy. You see, this is why it bothered me when I'm at home worshiping on the internet. This is supposed to be worship. But somehow, my heart made worship light. It was that I, I can walk around doing coffee. I can check emails, all kind of things, because my worship says, you don't deserve this, Jesus. You see, my worship shows who, what kind of God I believe in. Worship shows what I think about my God. One of the things I learned from my pastor a long time ago was you always give God the best and the first, never left over because he deserved it. My, my pastor always taught us, don't, ever, don't you ever think of giving the used things to God. That's what that, that you are saying, your God deserves the used things, leftover things. He doesn't deserve that. He does, deserves so much more. So that's the pastor. When we, we God is run down building under the you know, highway or on the, on the path, you know, uh, on the path in the church, 
spilled your falling apart. She wanted to put a new door. She went and got the best, heaviest, thickest door that didn't fit right because the building was falling apart. The door would be brand new, so heavy, so thick, it didn't fit. But she wanted to put the best thing there for God. I learned that way. The worship you give the best, the first, always, never left over. Our worship declares who he is. Those who are forgiven much, loves much, Bible says. Our worship shows how much I love God, shows how much love I receive from God. You see, when I love God with all my heart and that in my love, that declares that I have really experienced his love for me. Our worship declares how much love I've received from him, how much in love I'm with him. This is why worship is so important. He is worthy, isn't it? He is worthy. It's all about him, all about Jesus. You know, and in this uh, pandemic season we are in, one of the things that I, I believe God is really checking, seeing is we are being sifted. Do you really, really love me? Do you really, really worship me? And those who, those who are chaff will be blown away. You know, and, and the real things will be left. I'm not saying if you're scared to come and worship, I'm not saying that you do not love God well. What I'm saying is we, our worship, our longing to love God has to be the center that defines who I am. You know, and God, I want my life to say that I love you. I want my life to declare that you are beautiful and glorious. I want my, I want my life to show, to tell everyone in the world he is worthy. I don't want anybody ever think that my God does not deserve his honor and glory.